Welcome to episode four of the Magic Hour. Today, we're going to be talking about venture capital, safe notes and beyond. We're also going to talk about startup accelerators, the scene in Silicon Valley and what's been happening. Welcome, Andrew. Welcome, Paul. Um, nice to see you. Um, first question I have is, where are you? Yes, quite topically. I'm in uh, San Francisco uh, this week, so not in the studio um, today, but uh, yes, over over in San Fran. And uh, it's my first time over here, first time to the US, in fact. And um, yeah, it's been quite the experience so far. Fantastic. And, um, well, a couple of many questions about San Francisco is one of my favorite cities in the world, but, um, why are you there? And, and if you want to talk about it, what's the, what's the mood like there? I know there's been a lot happening in Silicon Valley just near San Francisco this week. Yes, it's um, pretty um, ironic timing um, coming to, we actually went to Silicon Valley uh, earlier in the week. So, um, yeah, a bit of news about um, Silicon Valley Bank this week. I'm actually over here as part of the SVG Thrive Accelerator. Um, there is a large uh, cohort of us over here. I think there's about 60 companies, um, uh, 60 businesses, 60 founders um, from across the world, um, not just from you know Australia, but Canada, Brazil, um, Israel, um, r- right across the globe as, as part of the accelerator, all in our sort of separate um, cohorts, I guess, as it were. Um, and well, just, I mean, I guess on the accelerator, the accelerator is, uh, you know, a 12 week program, um, that Magic Valley is a part of, you know, which kicks off with this week, uh, in, um, Silicon Valley, uh, in San Francisco. And, um, the program basically, uh, runs for 12 weeks. Um, we'll be here for one week. So I'll, I'll be back next week, but the rest of the program, yeah, it runs for, 11 more weeks um and we go through you know a whole series of um different i guess um mentor sessions um throughout those 12 weeks on on various topics um you know get introduced to you know a wide range of people through you know the agri-food industry and uh culminates in a in a demo day back in melbourne um i think in june um where we will um you know present the business um uh at a a demo day uh, in a pitch, uh, basically, um, in front of some you know, investors and network of investors, and you know, obviously uh, other people from the industry, and um, yeah, look to to gather some some more investment um, from um, those parties uh, in, into the business. So, um, yeah, look, it's a really great program. Really looking forward um, to the rest of it. Um, we've had quite a few sessions here um, this week. Um, also met with a number of uh, people from. Um, uh, Austrade, uh, Global Victoria. Um, so there's, there's plenty of Aussies, uh, over <laughs> here, actually. We, um, uh, we went to, uh, the Irish consulate, um, one night as well. Um, John, who I think is the CEO, um, at, uh, at SVG Thrive is, um, uh, is, is Irish. And so, yeah, we, we were up in, uh, the Irish consulate for an event, um, the other night, uh, which has views out over San Francisco, which is really amazing, actually. Um, and we've been, we've been, we're going through other sessions as well. So the, the companies in the uh, in the accelerator are from uh, you know so so the accelerator is an agritech accelerator, and a lot of the companies um, within the accelerator are involved in um, various areas of tech, and and they're really looking mostly at tech solutions um, for on farm efficiencies. So you know whether that's um, 
you know, crops or uh, animal agriculture or you know, whatever the case may be. So they're all really, you know, tech, heavily tech-focused, tech-focused companies. Um, but I think we're the only cellular agriculture company. In fact, I'm, I'm 99% sure because I certainly haven't met um, anyone else um, in, in our space um, through the program. Um, but it's been, yeah, it's really been amazing to, to meet so many, you know, founders of, of, of these really innovative businesses that are looking for um, you know, all these different um, solutions. So um, that's been that's been really great. Um, uh, you asked me about the the environment um, here at the moment or the mood. I think I was on the plane sort of when the news broke about you know, Silicon Valley Bank. Um, uh, this none of this is financial advice, and I'm certainly not an expert uh, in this area. But um, I uh, obviously do have a finance um, background, more so on the lending side. Um, there seems to be a bit of a, you know, a mismatch uh, or um, in, in, in timings, I guess, for um, you know inflows and, and outflows um, for Silicon Valley Bank and. Um, That'll obviously all play out. I know there's been, you know, um, talk about HSBC and you know, um, a buyout and government guarantees and all those sorts of things, which sort of happened really quickly over sort of the weekend. Um, and there's just you know, a lot of talk. Like it was just, a, you know, a talking point amongst everyone you know, that, that you came across. You know, what was the impact going to be? You know, are, are, are we personally affected? Do we know anyone that's affected? Um, uh, and all those sorts of things. Uh, we're not affected. I, I actually don't know anyone that, that has been affected. Um, and so, yeah, there was just a whole lot of uncertainty, I guess. And then, you know, announcement, um, you know, of the potential, uh, I don't know, bailout's the right word, but, um, you know, guarantee of funds. Um sort of calmed everyone down fairly quickly. So there was a kind of a bit of a, you know, a, a spike and, you know, all this uncertainty and what's what's going to happen and then that sort of calmed down. But, you know, people are still talking about, you know, ramifications of that is they're going to be, you know, flow-on effects from, you know, companies um, losing funds or not being able to access funds. Uh, how's that going to affect uh, venture capital? There was, you know, some talk of some um, venture capital firms that, you know, had money with um, Silicon Valley Bank and, you know, weren't able to access it and weren't able to make payroll and same with, um, you know, some of their portfolio companies as well. So, um, yeah, the timing of being here this week was, yeah, fairly ironic. Um, but, uh, yeah, look, who, who knows how? Uh, who knows how it all play out? It's certainly you know, a, a, a talking point, you know, for for everybody. Um, whether that'll last for you know a few weeks and calm down, or whether there'll be you know other ramifications from that, um, I guess we'll we'll find out in due course. Absolutely. Now, uh, there's a couple of questions I had based on what you said. Uh, first of all, I'd say Happy St Patrick's Day. It's uh, it's St Patrick's Day here in Australia. Not quite there yet for you in San Francisco. Um, I'm interested in how the other participants in the accelerator reacted when they heard, when you explained to them that we're a cultivated meat company, because if most of them are coming from a, a traditional agriculture, but looking to innovate, what what's the reaction like? I mean, not everyone understands it, I'm sure. And um, maybe some people might not like the idea of it, but um, I'm interested in your thoughts. Yeah. Paul. Yeah, yeah. It's probably a few stories I can't tell, but um, there's been some, um, you know, some pretty awkward introductions um, is, is probably the best way uh, of, of putting it because, you know, for, for those exact reasons um, that, that you mentioned. But um, after, after, after you sort of, you know, I um, you know, explain what we're doing and, and why we're doing it, um, 
Uh, look, everyone's been really su supportive, you know, really intrigued by um, the tech, you know, how it works. There's, you know, there's lots of questions around, um, you know, but how do you do this? And but where does this come from? But, you know, are you growing? I mean, it's the same questions we get from everyone. Mm -hmm. you, know, you know, are you growing, you know, whole cuts? Are you growing a whole animal? Are you, you know, do you grow the whole muscle? Do you, you know, where do you get the fat? You know, all those questions. So it's really just all the same Um questions obviously yeah as you mentioned you know there's quite a number of people with your um you know farming background or an animal agriculture background and um to be honest i've actually learned quite a lot because they they asked me you know how much because some of their businesses obviously you know involved in animal agriculture and they asked me how much i know about um the process and i thought i knew a lot but um i've really been educated um this week to be honest around the, what the what the current process is um which has been very interesting it's really been a, you know, a steep learning curve um to be honest because you know some of these people have, you know that's what they've done for you know a very long time they know the process you know intrinsically you know what they're working on is is looking at uh improving that process um and so they know it back to front um and like i said i thought i knew a lot i thought i was pretty well educated on the process but i I've learned so much this week just from just from you know um, those conversations you know with them around what, around what they're doing um, and, and looking to do with the um, their technology uh, innovations. So that has it's actually been really interesting, very very um, informative, and I think on both sides. So for for them um, in terms of what we're doing, and, and for me in terms of um, you know, what they're doing and, and what existing practices are. But yeah, no, it's a very it's a very good question um, that, that that you ask, but. Um, so that, that's yeah, that's been my um, experience thus far. Um, most people are, are really super interested in 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 what we're doing, um, and 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 most of them really haven't heard of it before. They they didn't know um, that we could do what we were doing. They didn't know it actually uh, existed, um, which was interesting you know, as well. Because I mean, these are tech people, um, mm. uh, and I thought you know there might have been a bit more um, awareness, but you know that, that there isn't. Um, which is which is interesting. Which you know is is uh, I think representative of the you know the broader community where you know we've still got a very large education piece um, ahead of us. So yeah, no, very very good question, very good question. So we're interested in um, what, what's the well, obviously apart from our technology, what's what's the coolest technology you've heard about this this week? <laughs> well. I'm always interested in ice cream and I'll be eat eating quite a lot of plant-based um, ice cream this week, but um, that's probably the coolest in two senses of the word. Um, but no, look, there's, look, it's been a really busy week. So um, uh, on Monday night, I actually, uh, after our um, Thrive um, uh, sessions went to, the Accelerator sessions went to um, San Francisco um, Food Hack event on uh, Monday night and there was... Um, Look, I think there was probably, you know, at a guess, you know, 100, 120, maybe more people there. Um, and there was probably maybe 15, uh, again, at a guess, um, individual companies there showcasing um, their food innovations, which, as I mentioned, range from um, you know, plant-based ice cream um, to, to plant-based uh, pork belly to, um, to some... Um, uh, mycelium products, uh, to, uh, uh, a new plant-based honey, um, to, 
um, all sorts of different um, innovations, too, too many for me to mention. But um, all of these companies were doing tastings, you know, which was amazing um, to, to try. Um, and it's really not something that I've experienced um, so far in, in Australia, um, these types of you know, tasting events or food innovation tasting events. So the Food Hack event was uh, amazing and, you know, obviously um, we are starting, uh, mm. you know, the Food Hack chapter in, in Melbourne. So it was really, uh, it was a really um, eye-opening event and how many people were there and, and how many people were there from, from very different um, backgrounds as well. So there's obviously, you know, people that are interested in, um, you know, alternative solutions, whether it's, you know, sustainability or, um, you know, um, uh, yeah, uh, 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 animal alternatives, or you know, whatever, whatever the case may be. Um, there's lots of uh, people just inter interested in tech. Um, there are some investors there as well. There's lots of food people, so you know, chefs and and people with food backgrounds, um, particularly people that had their own businesses and you know wanted to see what the the latest innovations were and and everything. And it, you know, it's just an open community event, and it was just amazing that the, you know there were so many, so many people there. Um, and it was a great, it was a great event. Um, but then on Tuesday, Wednesday, we had um, the World Agritech Summit, um, which is part of uh, the Accelerator program here. Um, so World Agritech Summit on um, uh, Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, sorry, I lose track of my days because uh, obviously there's a big difference <laughs> between uh, here and Melbourne. And obviously um, we have daylight saving in Melbourne and, and I have daylight saving here and, and daylight saving ended at some point while I've been here as well, which threw me out another hour as well, which I didn't know was happening. So anyway, yeah, Tuesday, Wednesday um, was World Agritech Summit. And again, companies um, all across agriculture. So, you know, whether that's, um, uh, you know, more efficient ways to um, harvest crops, to, you know, um, uh, fruit picking, to, you know, drones that, um, uh, that, that you know, pick apples off, off, off the tree. Hmm. Um, and, and all sorts of other you know innovations just too many to mention i would and it was it was it was full so you know there would have been i i don't know the exact number but i imagine you know somewhere between 1500 and 2000 people there plus obviously all the um displays and storeholders and and all that sort of thing so yeah it's packed there's a, i don't know if um, San Francisco is always like this, but it's very busy um, here at the moment. I assume they probably run you know, lots of different conferences, you know, at the same time. But um, I think there's actually a, uh, a finance conference on here at the moment. But yeah, there's 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 people everywhere here at the moment, so it's super super busy. Um, and then uh, Thursday, Friday, uh, which we're halfway through now, is um, Future Food Tech Summit. So um, again, yeah, it's uh, it's it's a, it's a full on week. So. Um, Again, lots of um, solutions and, and, and innovations today, particularly uh, in the plant-based space, um, but also in the cultivated meat space, um, you know, cellular agriculture, um, precision fermentation. Um, there's a number of investors uh, here as well, obviously, uh, yeah, checking out all the, all the latest uh, innovations. And so, yeah, lots of different um, plant-based options um, for all sorts of different things. That seems to be essentially a number of companies working on fat, so um, you know, replicating animal fat through through plant-based means. Um, there's a number of cultivated meat companies um, here uh, as, as well. There's obviously quite a few cultivated meat companies uh, based in the Bay Area here in San Francisco. 
Um, there's a number of precision fermentation companies uh, here also. So again, looking at dairy uh, primarily um, and things like ice cream um, and your cheeses uh, and your milks. A uh, number of companies as well that are working on you know, scaffolds and, and bioreactors, uh, microcarriers, those sorts of things that you know uh, can be used in the, the cellular agriculture um, process as well. Um, yeah, it just goes it just goes on and on and on. It, it feels like sort of you know um, everyone is here. Um, lots of um, familiar faces from you know, other companies uh, across the world. I've met lots of people in person for the first time that mm. you know I've had a relationship with um, for a number of years, which is which has been really great. Um, it's obviously you know a lot different catching up um, with people in person, which has been um, yeah re- really good. You know, lots of other founders here. That uh, it's been great to to connect with uh, as well. Some of our investors are based here, uh, or at least here for for the conference. Um, and obviously, looking and, and speaking to potential uh, future potential investors as well. So, um, yeah, it's been a big week so far. Uh, still a few days to go, um, but uh, hopefully, no more bank collapses or, or anything like that. Fingers crossed. And um, just to remind you, not everybody is there. There's a few of us back here working hard in the lab and in the office. Some cells are going well. Um, think things are going well back here. Um, yeah, you just definitely in uh, or validated my um, FOMO and increased my jealousy um, uh, levels a, a lot with that description of what's been going on and what you've been doing in San Francisco this week. But I thought I'd change tack a little bit. The, the whole reason we we started this podcast with, with you and I chatting is that we're coming from a science perspective and a business perspective. Um, and the science-based listeners that are listening to our podcast might not really understand what a startup accelerator is. They might think it's something to do with particle acceleration or, or something. Can, could you give us a, a bit of a description of what a startup accelerator is? Sure. I'm glad to hear everything's going well back in Melbourne. I, I think the, the bigger issue is that I missed the start of the uh, the footy season, which I'm very disappointed about. Um we won't go into the result, but um, yeah, it's very disappointing to to miss that. But obviously, back for round two, which I'm, I'm happy about. Um, and actually, the weather is exactly the same here in, in San Fran as you know is typical in, in in Melbourne. You know, it's um, very overcast, uh, very uh, windy, very cold, uh, and then all of a sudden the sun comes out and it's actually quite warm, and then. Then it'll start raining. Then it gets cold again. It's actually identical. So Just like home. I do feel somewhat at home. Exactly. Exactly. Anyway, that's not the question you asked me, which was around uh, accelerators. So yeah. So look, uh, an accelerator, um, uh, or sometimes called an, an incubator, uh, is basically for uh, the acceleration um, of startup companies. So um, if you've got you know, a, a startup business or, or, or an idea for a business, you might join you know, an accelerator or an incubator. And typically they will provide um, things like uh, mentorship, um, introductions, um, networking opportunities, uh, access to funding either directly or through their yeah, investor network. Um, and provide education really to fast track your business, so to accelerate your business. So, you know, a lot of people, you know, particularly um, from uh, technical um, backgrounds, might enter into uh, an accelerator, which is more um, business focused, to you know, upskill themselves um, on the business side of things. So, you know, you might learn about. 
Um, so, so you might be, you know, a cell biologist or a researcher, for example, and you might come into you know, the accelerator and you might learn more about marketing and HR and accounting and sales and finance um, and, and all those sorts of things, um, raising capital, all those sorts of things. Um, and if you had a, a you know a business that was uh, if you came from a if you came from a business background or you know um, you had an understanding of that and um, you had you know, let's just say a food business for example you might learn more in the accelerator about food science or nutrition or you might want to get connected to suppliers or you know producers or find some technical skills and people with particular skill sets or get introduced to. Um, a university or, or something like that. So the accelerator program really is to do exactly that, accelerate your business. So get you to, to fast track what you're doing as opposed to, you know, you, um, you know, being in a silo by yourself trying to work out, oh, how do I run my accounting system? What, what, how do I do payroll? What, what's all this super stuff about? How do I teach myself about? writing contracts or what, all those sorts of things um, it obviously put into a, a shortened you know structured program for, for you to learn um, and accelerate your business so you don't waste your time doing that yourselves and there'll typically be you know a cohort um, of people at a similar stage to you in terms of their their business um, sometimes they're Know, they will have a particular focus, like the, the SVG Thrive Accelerator um, is, is, is agri-tech focused. Um, so, you know, that obviously provides, you know, a lot more efficiencies. Now, you might, if you've got a finance, um, uh, a fintech business, you know, there, there are various fintech accelerators. Um, there's climate tech accelerators, um, that software accelerators. So basically, you know, across all the different um, industries. So, um, yeah, that's, that's what the accelerator um, does at, at a high level. Um, obviously there's lots of, uh, mentorship from people that are, you know, much further advanced than, than you in, um, you know, your field or in a similar field or business or starting a business or running a business or exiting a business. So, um, you know, you're able to learn from people that have, you know, gone through what you're going through previously, which obviously, you know, helps you avoid some of, um, the pitfalls that you, know, you can learn from their experience, which is uh, which I always recommend. I, I'm a super, mm -hmm. um, super strong believer in, in mentorship across um, all areas of, of your life, um, not just business. So, um, you know, that's one of the, the key benef benefits. Um, you also, as I mentioned, get to meet um, other uh, founders or, or business owners that are you know going through the same experience as you. you know, someone you can or people you can you know, share experiences with people you can learn from um uh which is which is great to you know to, to share those uh, experiences um with other people that are going through you know the exact same challenges as you um you know everyone is, is experiencing the same you know economic environment um uh, and everything that's going on from a macroeconomic perspective and, and all those sorts of things um you know, number of companies are fundraising you know as as well um which is something that obviously we're looking at too. So, um, yeah, the, 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 the um, cohort that you're involved with is, is another really great um, benefit of it. Obviously, we've previously been through um, the Brink Accelerator um, uh, last year, uh, the start of last year, um, similar sort of thing you know, with a food tech focus. 
Um, and obviously there was a, 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 a side-by-side cohort um, that was going through on the on the metaverse side um, with Brink. So you know we formed some, some great relationships you know on both sides. So you know there, there's so many people you can you can can learn from um, going through that and having that experience. Um, some accelerators uh, you will receive a. Uh, a, a cash payment or a cash investment um, in exchange, obviously, for, for equity, uh, some form of equity uh, in your business. Um, uh, some accelerators have no like financial component um, uh, and others there will be, you know, uh, the potential for, you know, investment from, um, you know, the providers of the accelerator or, or the funder behind the provider of the accelerator. So, yeah, I guess that's that's the description at, at, at a high level. Hopefully um, that helps explain um, a few things um, to, to some of our listeners. I think, I think that would be really useful for, for people who are newer to to this this type of environment and then especially the science side uh, um, and looking to understand more about the business side of things and in that vein um can you i mean i know this sounds like a, a broad question but how does venture capital work how does it differ how does investing via venture capital in a startup potentially how does that differ from buying shares in a company um, and what other types of investment are there? I mean, I, I hear about angels and VCs and, um, yeah, I'll, I, I think you probably can talk about this one for a little while, knowing, knowing your ability to explain these things well. Thanks, Paul. Uh, yeah, yeah, thanks, thanks for that. I, I don't know about that, but I'll, I'll give it a go. Um, so, obviously, uh, most people are fairly familiar with buying um Shares in a in a company on the on, on the share market or or by the the, the stock exchange. So, um, you know, for uh, example, um, yeah, you, you, for Australians will understand that um, if you wanted to buy you know shares in um, you know, Commonwealth Bank or um, you know, ANZ or NAB or you know, one of the um, uh, large uh, big four banks here, most people would be familiar with. You could do that. So you could go. Um, and do it either by you know your online account or if you had a broker uh, and purchase shares in the, in that in that company um, for, for a very small amount. Um, for our uh, international listeners, you know it would be the same thing for you know um, well was Facebook, it's now Meta, um, you know Tesla, Google, any of those companies that are listed on the stock exchange, you could go and and, and fairly easily um, purchase a small amount of shares um, in those companies. Um, when you've got a small business, though, um, that, that's not listed, um, you, you don't have that avenue available to you to you know, sell shares in your company um, on the share market or, or on the stock exchange. And typically, you'll be raising um, private investment um, uh, through, through a number of various um, different means. Um, venture capital um, works um, to uh, fund a number of those um, private companies um, primarily. And so how a venture capital firm works is there's a, a couple of different um, role players uh, within a venture capital firm. So there are, there are general partners uh, and there are limited partners. And so um, I'll do my best to explain both of those and, and, and their role. And you know, there's, there's obviously other roles um, within the firm, but they're, they're probably the main ones. So the general partners are, are basically the people managing the pooled money um, within the within the venture capital fund that they have raised um, from uh, investors who are typically high net worth people um, or corporations, and, and those people are known. Those investors are known as the limited partners. So 
limited partners basically hand over their money um, to the uh, general partners to uh, invest for them. So the limited partners stay behind the scenes. They're, they're basically passive investors. So the, the general partners are, are typically um, the ones that you will deal with uh, as a founder. So you, you wouldn't be dealing with a limited partner. Um, they would be completely um, separate. So as a founder, you're dealing with the, the general partners or, or most typically you know, junior associates throughout the, the venture capital firm. So people that potentially screen deals for the, for the general partners, for example, now, the general partners uh, are responsible for obviously managing, you know, the pooled funds that they obtain from their investors, you know. Um, so it, it, it gets a little bit complicated because they obviously, as a venture capital firm um, and as general partners, have to raise funds from um, their investors who are their limited partners. So in the same way, you know, we would as a business go and raise funds, the venture capital firms go out and raise funds as well. So the general partners um, are responsible for the investment decisions and they invest the money um, that they've assembled or raised from their limited partners. And obviously they're looking for you know, companies to invest in, companies to support um, and venture capital firms um, you know, raise, range in size. Uh, they range in you know, the amount of funds that they, uh, they have available to invest and they might have uh, an investment mandate where they will look at you know only food tech companies or only software as a service companies or only climate tech companies um, or whatever focus they have whatever experience um, you know they have whatever industries they're experienced in and feel you know confident in, in making you know, assessments and investment decisions they'll, they'll typically focus on one of those now the general partners will uh, invest that money and they'll earn a percentage um, on the funds that they have under management so like a management fee for, for managing um, all those funds which is typically two percent and they'll also earn a, a percentage of any profit they make from their investment so which is typically you know, 20 percent, and there's normally some sort of hurdles involved in that as well so they're responsible for all this money they've raised and typically will be in the millions uh, and their job is to you know find um, companies that, that fit their investment mandate um, and invest in those well screen those companies um, to see if that's some that's a company that they want to um, invest in and uh, with the goal of obviously uh, making a profit for themselves and, and for their limited partners. Um, and that's uh, just a, a continual cycle um, that um, they will go through, that all venture capital firms uh, will, will go through. They normally have a horizon um, or a time frame that, you know, they're looking for a return in. Typically sort of can be between seven and, and ten years um, from uh, my experience. Um, and so they're looking for a return on investment um, from the money that they've put in within that within that time frame. And that could come from you know, a couple of different ways. Um, if they invested in the company uh, and that company was um, uh, uh, acquired by another company, so there would be a, you know, a buyout. Now, obviously, you would hope that would be at a higher price point you know, after um, uh, from where you, 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 you bought in at. So um, that, there's potential for that. Um, but typically, what, what you're looking for is for a company, a private company, to go public. So have an initial public offering to list on the share market um, and then open up uh, the potential for a much higher valuation and for um, uh, people that uh, are not investing, you know, not considered what what is called a, a sophisticated investor or a high net worth investor and in, investing in venture capital funds to, to get access to it. So you, you, you're everyday uh, investor.
Um, and obviously that, you know, is typically, you know, at a, at a much higher valuation you know, than, you know, what you started the company at, you know, 10 years previously, um, for example. So, um, venture capital, um, is, uh, a really, um, uh, interesting industry. Obviously, um, venture capital, um, firms or investors or general partners are, are looking at, um, you know, their, the probability of success, you know, um, of, of your business, um, they go, they will go through a, a due diligence process when they're looking at your business. So, um, you know, if you had a business you know, as a founder, you would you know, pitch to that potential, uh, venture capital firm, uh, the people associated there, you know, you would send them a, you know, basically a, a pitch deck, uh, most likely that, you know, probably roughly 10 slides, which, you know, covers off you know, what you do, why you do it, um, you know, the size of the market, you know, how big could it get, um, uh, your team, um, and, and all those sorts of things. You'll have a conversation with them and then you'll go through a period of um, due diligence if they're interested in your business, which could cover a whole lot of different areas, whether that's, you know, business or strategy, um, uh, your technology um, and those sorts of things. Uh, and due diligence is basically just, you know, the, the investor or the venture capitalist is, is looking to understand your business, understand, um, you know, the business model, whether, you know, whether you've got a product or a service, you know, where does that fit in the marketplace? How big is the marketplace? Like how, how big could your business grow, which obviously impacts, you know, how much return they can get on their investment. Um, and financials and, and those sorts of things as well. And that'll go through, I mean, that could go for, um, a few hours or it could go for a few months, that process. It, it really does um, just depend. Um, and then they will decide if they want, want to invest in your business. And then when you get to that point, you're really talking about um, the terms of the investment. Um, and typically, um, the valuation uh, is, is a key component of that. So basically, what price per share um, uh, you know, they would be investing at. So what do they value? What do you both value? Or do you agree to value the business mm -hmm. at? Um, which you would have an idea of, you know, in your head before um, that point. But, yeah, so the valuation and then obviously you, know, you would be discussing how much they were going to invest and, you know, what percentage um, equity or ownership um, they would get in your business. So, um, and they, the VCs will go through that process you know, regularly, you know, daily with you know, multiple companies, um, looking for companies that, you know, they, they, they think are a good investment. And they'll build up a portfolio, obviously, um, because in each company, they'll only invest a, you know, a small amount of the funds that they've raised. Um, they're looking for you know, multiple companies um, to invest in, which obviously you know, spreads the risk. Um, people often refer to the power law, which I won't go into, but basically, you know, a high level um, description of that is, you know, you're looking for, um, you, you might invest in, um, you know, 10 companies, you expect, you know, um, five of them to, you know, break even four of them to go out of business and one to give you a you know a thousand x return um that's not quite <laughs> don't quote me on that because those numbers aren't quite right but as a as a basic understanding you know you're gonna you're gonna have a you know one or two outperformers in that portfolio of 10 companies that that you invest in um and, and knowing that some of those you know, other investments aren't gonna aren't gonna do as well and you know you just have lower expectations of those so they're really looking for those you know, outstanding investments or the, the the businesses they think can you know be outstanding investments and give you that you know 10x 100x 1000x um return um and then obviously yeah they they're, they're accountable so they're limited partners and um you know, they get their profits and then um, the general partners um, potentially um, make some profits um, after that uh, as well on the return from the um, from the fund. 
And so that's one way of, of raising um, capital for, for your business. And that could be done through, uh, when you're raising, that could be done through uh, a priced equity round. So that's what you'd be familiar with if you're, you know, if you knew of, um, you know, uh, all these companies keep changing their names. I was going to say Google, but it's actually Alphabet, isn't it? On the, um, no, on on the on the listing, um, who hasn't changed their name? Uh, let's go Tesla. Um, you know, you would go and buy shares at um, you know uh, three hundred and sixty dollars per share. So you knew that you're investing. You know, uh, for each share, it would cost you three hundred and sixty dollars. Um, uh, so that uh, at a high level replicates you know, a priced equity round. You know exactly um, the price that you you're purchasing each share for. Um, another way that um, is gained in popularity in, in, in recent times and is, is very popular um, internationally is to invest via uh, what's called a, a safe note. Um, there are other notes um, available as well, but um, uh, a safe note um, is, is, is quite popular. Less, less popular or less well-known uh, in Australia. Um, I believe the safe note originated out of Y Combinator um, in the US. I'm happy to be um, stand corrected on that, but uh, that's my understanding. And um, the safe note basically is typically used in the in the early stages of, of funding. So uh, a lot of people are probably familiar with these these terms, but not really understand what they mean. Um, and, the, and they're terms like uh, pre seed, um, seed. Series A, Series B, Series C, uh, and, and so on. So when we're talking about different stages of funding, um, yeah, they're, they're typically the, the, the stages that you will go through. So a, a very early company um, will raise uh, potentially a, a pre-seed round, um, which is obviously before a seed round. Um, there never used to be a pre-seed round. I, I don't know who named that, but it, it used to start at seed and then someone decided that, no, now we've got a pre-seed. So... Um, they came up with that term, um, which makes sense. Um, but, uh, you know, so a pre-seed round, you, you might be a very early stage business. So you might just have, you know, an idea um, and you've got this idea that you think, you know, could be a business, but you need some capital to get started. So you might go and raise funds from, you know, family, friends, um, uh, you know, colleagues, people that you used to work with, people that you know, um, and, and other potential uh, angel investors. So um, an angel investor is um, uh, someone that, uh, you know, is, is not a venture capitalist, so it's, it's not a business. It's, a, it's an, an angel investor is an, you know, an individual person um, who has some um, typically, you know, savings um, to invest that, you know, they've acquired either from, um, you know, their own business or just from working or m many different ways. Um, and they like to, you know, invest that money, um, typically smaller amounts, um, in, in early stages of, of businesses, because obviously, um, typically the earlier you invest, um, the lower, uh, the valuation is in a business. So if you thought, you know, oh, I've got this idea for a business, well, you know, that's probably not worth very much at this point compared to, you know, if you had a, a business up and going, you know, you had a, um, uh, you know, a shop that, you know, sold, shoes and you know you sold you know 300 pairs per week and you know you made you know ten dollars profit per shoe and you know you had an established business that had been running for years so um 
Uh, yeah, so as, as a basic example, so you would think the valuation of that would be slightly higher. You know, if you had a multinational business, obviously that would be much higher. If the potential market for your business, you know, the valuation would be much higher. So with the lower valuation in the early stages of the business, you could buy in um, to that business at basically what we would um, call a, a lower share price. So, you know, you might be able to buy in at, you know, $1 a share. Um, you know, if you saw the, you know, the Tesla PowerPoint presentation that, you know, there's this idea for electric cars or electric vehicles and you're like, yep, I'm in. It's $1 per share. You know, now it's, you know, 500,000, 1,800, you know, whatever the price is today. Um, so you'd be buying it at a much, um, a different valuation. So the, the objective there is as an angel investor, if you buy in at an early stage, Yes, there's more risk. Uh, obviously, you know, that idea, you know, that, that might not get off the ground. You know, it, there might be um, other reasons why that business doesn't succeed. But because you're taking that early risk, you're buying in at the, the lower price per share um, and you've got a much bigger opportunity for uh, profit and upside of that getting, you know, from um, you know, $1 to uh, $1,000 per share than if you were to buy in at, you know, $900 per share, you know, that 1000 extra return on that, you'd have to be at, $900,000 per share, you know, which is, you know, much more unrealistic. So um, there's a risk reward trade off there. But angel investors, yeah, just typically just individuals who are interested in investing in, in private companies, you know, for that um, risk um, reward um, payoff. And so um, that would typically invest in the pre seed round. The seed round, you know, you, most companies, I mean, this varies um, widely across industries, but, you know, the seed round, uh, sorry, so at the pre seed round, you could raise, you know, any amount really, but um, yeah, it could be you know anywhere from ten thousand dollars up to a million dollars. Sometimes beyond that as as well, depending on your your industry um, and obviously the timing of the macroeconomic environment. Um, and then seed round, you know, your business you might have established the business, you've got the business up and running, um, you've got a team of people now, you've made some progress with your you know your product development or the software that you're developing, and you want to raise your next round, and that's your seed round. You would typically raise um, some more money, so it might be you know, $3 million or something like that. Uh, and obviously, again, at, at a higher valuation because now you've you know, established that it's not just an idea now. You know, you've made this progress. Um, you've reached these milestones. You've, you've shown some um, progress and development. And that goes on and on and on through Series A, Series B, et cetera, and they're just progressive rounds. They're just made up terms. Um, you can't nail them down to anything specifically. It's just like going one, two, three, four, five. Like they're just they're just made up sequential terms. Um, you could call your round whatever you want. Really, it, it doesn't really matter. Um, but they're just they're, they're, that's just the um, the terminology that's been adopted, and because you know it's wide, wide, widely adopted um, and everyone uses it, people just sort of follow suit, which makes sense. Uh, as you would, you wouldn't come out and just say, "Oh, I'm raising my series." Z round because that wouldn't make sense and people wouldn't understand what you're talking about. Um, so, yeah, so that, that's just a sequential thing. Um, but what I was going to mention was um, the safe note. So, so going back to the safe note. So a safe note um, is uh, not the same as a, as a priced equity round. A, a safe note stands for simple agreement for future equity. Um, and it basically works like a, a convertible loan uh, without, a, without a debt element. So basically under a, a safe, under a safe note, um, your investor will agree to make a, a cash payment um, to the company, um, which, is, which is not a loan. So there's no interest payable on, on that. It's just a, a straight cash payment to the company in exchange for a contractual right to convert that amount uh, into shares when the company closes a, a priced equity round. 
Now, the benefits to that really are um, that it's really difficult to uh, value a company when it's uh, at, at the early stages. So, you know, like, uh, you know, like your idea for the um, shoe shop, well, yeah, what's that worth? Who, who, who knows how to value that? Like nobody knows. Even early stage um, into your business, like how do you know what that, that company is worth? You've, you, you might have designed a shoe um, and it looks amazing, but you haven't made any sales. You've got no distribution. Like, how, how do you value that company? It's very difficult, to, impossible, really. Um, and that and that applies across, you know, biotech, um, particularly, uh, probably uh, more so in biotech than anywhere else. You know, you've done this research. You think this um, uh, this hypothesis, hypothesis that you've worked out, you think it's going to work. You think this is going to provide a solution. Well, how do you value that? It, it, you know, who, who knows? So, um Typically, uh, in, in early stage uh, companies, you know, the safe note is used. The safe note has um, a couple of key um, variables in it, um, which is typically uh, a, a valuation cap um, and also potentially um, a discount rate as well. Um, I won't go too heavily into the details, but um, the valuation cap uh, basically limits um, the maximum valuation that that safe note will convert at. Um, that can be converted and pre-money or post-money terms, which I won't you know, go into the details of, of that. Um, they are fairly self-explanatory ones. Uh, pre-money is obviously before um, your external investment comes in. Post-money is after that external investment comes in. It's important to know if you are getting involved in this space um, and raising via safe notes, but you know, for, for the point of today's conversation, I won't go into that um, any deeper. Um, and a discount rate as well. So, um, there's uh, oftentimes, um, you know, anywhere between like no discount rate up to a twenty percent discount rate, uh, and again, that discount rate is off the, the future valuation. Um, there are some um, clauses around that in terms of which applies, you know, whether it's the, the valuation cap or, or the discount rate. But uh, as an example, um, let's say if your uh, pre-money valuation cap uh, that you agree to with your um, investor by the safe note was. Um, uh, ten million dollars, then that investor's shares um, could not convert at a valuation higher than ten million dollars um, because you've got that valuation cap. So if you were to raise at a uh, your next round, say your seed round at a, a pre-money valuation of twenty million dollars, um, the the people coming in at that point in time, which you know might be two years down the track would come in at a $20 million valuation. So they would obviously get less shares for the amount of money they invested. You, because you hold that safe note and got that $10 million cap, um, your shares would convert at $10 million. So obviously, that's a, that's a huge advantage um, to that. If you had uh, the discount rate as well, let's just say uh, there was a 10% discount rate, um, uh, and uh, if we forget the pre-money valuation cap for the moment, but if that valuation uh, was uh, $20 million, uh, and you had a, a $10 million valuation um, cap, uh, you would obviously come into an $18 million um, valuation, ignoring the, the, the pre-money valuation cap, just to keep it in, in simplistic terms. So you've got a valuation cap and sometimes a, a discount um, as well. You don't get both of them. You get one or the other um, at, the, at the time, but... Um, yeah, that's one of the other instruments that that's widely used. Um, some of the benefits that um, yeah, it's a it's a much uh, simpler document. Um, it's a very sort of straightforward um, contract, just with those variables around the you know, obviously the amount you want to invest, um, any valuation caps or any or any discount rates. 
Uh, and it's much simpler than going through a price round. It obviously varies depending on what country you're in and um, the regulations in, in each country um, around um, you know, details that are required, disclosure documents when you're raising a priced equity round. Um, it, it does really vary across um, countries. Um, Australia has obviously quite um, uh, established and um, strict financial um, regulations um, for, for good reason. Um, so there's plenty of things that you need to be aware of there. But yeah, at a, at a high level, um, lots of startups um, in the early stages use a safe note. Um, you can agree to a valuation cap um, with your potential uh, investors. You don't have to agree on the exact valuation at that point in time. That will come out, you know, in the uh, in the next round when you do raise um, typically a priced equity round. Um, and that's pretty much it. Um, it's similar um, to a convertible note. Um, the convertible note, uh, which people are probably more familiar with, at least in, in, in Australia, um, will often have uh, a, an interest component. So um, you would receive, uh, sorry, the investor uh, would receive a, a, an interest payment at, a, at an interest rate. So it was more like a... Um, uh, debt element um, to it. Um, but, yeah, so convertible note, safe note, um, and, and priced equity around, uh, yeah, typically what, what you would see in, in the early stages. Thanks, Paul. That's that's really um, informative. Uh, a couple of comments, I guess, from me, uh, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's safe notes are the way Magic Valley is receiving investment at the moment. And um, a slightly cheeky question, um, or comment um, from my understanding of what you just said and from what you've explained to me before safe notes might be safer but they're not entirely safe because you've got to risk something to get a reward so if this is investment still so there's there's isn't it's not an entirely safe investment no it's good marketing though um yeah. whoever came up with uh, the acronym um simple agreement for future equity as being um Safe. No, you, you're right um, on both counts. So we raised our um, uh, pre-seed round uh, via safe note and we're raising our, our, our seed round via safe note um, as well. Um, uh, yes, so there, there is risk involved. So obviously at the time that you are um, uh, executing a, a safe note, that's basically giving you the contractual right um, to uh, convert that amount uh, into shares at a, at a later point in time. So you're not getting the shares at that point in time. Um, well, I guess what that one of the risks there is that you know if the the company uh, doesn't raise a price equity round, um, it goes out of business. For uh, example, um, there's absolutely no um, you know, recourse for you um, because you know you're not a shareholder. There's, there's, there's You've just provided, um, you know, the investment via the safe note. Um, so there is that 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 risk element um, to it. There's obviously risk um, in investing by any instrument uh, in an early stage business. Um, so there's definitely no um, no guarantees. Um, lots, well, um, I think the numbers are are pretty well known in terms of um, you know business success and failure. You know, business is a you know it is a risky business. Um, none of this is financial advice. Let, let, let me just make make that clear. I'm just trying to um, uh, well we are just trying to to help you know, uh, educate people on some of the terminology um, and, and those sorts of things. Um, and I don't 
Um, <clears throat> yes, mean any of this as financial advice, please get your own financial and legal advice when considering any investments. Um, but yes, from, from my experience, um, yeah, just, just giving an overview of the, the, the terms and the, um, yeah, I guess the, the key benefits, um, and, and some of the disadvantages, obviously, um, uh, as well. I, I guess with, with that preamble, um, it's a good time to ask the question is, um, so cultivated meat, there's been a lot of in investment over the last couple of years and e even this year. Um, uh, could you talk a little bit about what's going on in the cultivated meat industry overall in terms of in, uh, investment and uh, the, the projections that are being made about what size this industry might be by 2030, by 2050? Um, yep. Thanks for, uh, that off the cuff question. I don't have the, the numbers in it's front sure. of me, but I actually saw, I actually saw a slide today, um, uh, at the, at the conference, um, which was uh, detailing, you know, the amount of money that has come in, in particular into the, um, cultivated meat space, um, uh, food tech in general, really, uh, alternative proteins and, uh, en encompassing all of those, um, uh, businesses uh, last year, you know, there was a distinct um, you know, spike up um, in investment with, within the industry, which had been building, you know, over the past you know seven or eight years, um, and reached a real a real peak um, uh, last year. Um, there's obviously been a bit of a you know a dip off um, uh, off that peak this year um, for a number of reasons. Obviously, you know, there's a lot of um, uh, macroeconomic concerns and considerations that you know, affects investment. You know, obviously worldwide pretty much um interest rates have, have been going up um obviously investors are looking on a return on investment um you know if you can get um six percent eight percent ten percent whatever the case may be in a in a fairly secure um uh, what is referred to as risk risk free in terms of you know like a government bond or or something like that um you know, a fairly um um, riskless uh, investment then obviously if you were to invest in an early stage business you'd want a much larger return um, which obviously you know makes it less attractive um, and it also you know somewhat pushes down valuations um, as, as well for you, for you you as a business owner because our investors are looking for a larger return they want to invest at a lower valuation for the potential to get um, a lower share price for them potential to get a higher return on investment as compared to, you know, what they could get from a, you know, a safer, as referred to as a safer investment, um, you know, in a publicly listed company or, you know, in a government security or, or, or something like that. But look, there's, there's been a huge amount of money that has come into um, the, the, the cellular agriculture space. So, um, you know, cultivated meat, precision fermentation, um, and that sort of, um, uh, has really um, enabled a number of companies to make some some really strong um, technological advancements. Um, there's been a number of um, companies enter the space, so lots of new startups you know, come into the space. Um, but that's not to say that um, there there isn't challenges uh, and and, and um, risks in the, um, the the funding environment at the moment. You know, as we touched on earlier around um, you know Silicon Valley Bank, you know, a lot of um, uh, in investment is sentiment driven. Um, so, you know, there's lots of, you know, surveys that, that come out around, you know, investor sentiment or you know, consumer sentiment or business sentiment. Um, because a lot of it is not, um, you know, technical. You know, not everyone is sitting at home with, you know, their models of, you know, oh, their probability models and what's going to happen and all that sort of thing. A lot of it's just sentiment. How do you feel? 
Yeah. You know, what do you think's going to happen? How is everyone else reacting? Um, you know, a lot of it is, um, you know, a bit of a, a contagion effect. Oh, well, so and so said this, so I'm doing this, and it just sort of it just sort of snowballs. And so, obviously, there's been a lot of talk around, um, you know, the plant based uh, uh, meat space, um, and a lot of, uh, I guess, the, the more well known companies have, have had a lot of funds poured into them. Um, they've had some. Um, declines in their the share prices, the ones that are um, you know, publicly listed on, on the stock exchange, um, uh, and there's been a, you know an explosion in um, you know, the number of um, you know, now plant based companies um, uh, that are, uh, are popped up as well, and you know, creating all, all sorts of different products, um, uh, which means more competition, uh, obviously. So there, there are some um, funding challenges, you know, across the industry. Um, you know, a lot of capital has been um, deployed. We saw sort of last year that um, a lot of those um, venture capital um, firms have um, begun to, to hold off a little bit on on making further investments as they see you know, how things play out. You know, whether that's to do with um, uh, interest rates um, or you know, the, the food tech industry in particular. Um, or, or you know, political environment, you know, we've seen wars, we've, you know, we've had the pandemic, you know, we've had all, all sorts of things. So who knows what's coming next? But um, yeah, so I, I guess there's a bit of a, a bit of a lull, I guess you would, you would call it. Um, there's probably not as much money being deployed um, this year uh, into the space uh, as there was last year. And, you know, it's not, not expected to be. Um, it's a much tougher fundraising uh, environment um, at the moment um, if you're trying to, to, to raise around um, as I mentioned there's been you know quite a number of in investors here this week um, some of our uh, existing investors are here um, I've spoken to you know a number of um, you know potential uh, new investors um, so there's plenty um, plenty of interest um, still in the space I think um, that due diligence process that I outlined earlier is is probably taking longer um, you know than it was you know, 12 or 24 months ago um, you know, whereas people were probably you know, investors or, or venture capitalists or angel investors were probably just excited to get into the space and um, you know wanted to you know, had a bit of fomo um, you know wanted to deploy their capital uh, in, into companies probably took um, a little bit less time doing due diligence because they knew if they didn't get in quickly, then um, they might miss out. Um, that environment's, you know, probably changed um, substantially since then and, you know, uh, investors are taking uh, longer to do their due, due diligence. I always mispronounce that word, due diligence. Um, uh, and so, you know, people are, you know, taking longer to make their investment decisions. They're being more cautious with their um, investment decisions. Um, yeah, and it's probably, um, yeah, that probably makes sense um, to, for, for, for that to happen. So, yes, there is plenty of money um, that has poured into the space. Um, things have slowed down, uh, you know, a little bit in the last at least six months, um, maybe a little bit um, longer. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, how that um, environment changes um, throughout the, the, the rest of the year and, and into next year. Um, yeah, we, we'll, we'll wait and see. Oh, well, thanks, Paul. I don't think I think our time in in the studio is is coming toward towards an end. So I I guess I'll I'll end from my perspective by wishing you luck um, talking to investors and in your search for the best plant based ice creams on the planet. Um, and hope you enjoy the rest of your time in San Francisco and look forward to catching up with you again in person next week. Thanks, Andrew. We good to uh, see you in person back in the, the studio. And, um, yeah, I'll be keeping an eye on the footy scores.
All right. Well, great to talk to you, Paul. Thanks a lot. And for, for those, thank you, listeners. Um, thank you for listening to the Magic Valley Hour. I think we're almost at it exactly an hour, this this podcast. Um, and please um, look for us on our socials, our website, www.magicvalley.com.au, our Instagram, um, at Magic Valley Food. Uh, Foods, uh, Twitter at Magic Valley Food, and uh, yeah, it is food and not foods because you can only have so many letters. And uh, yeah, and we're on Facebook and uh, TikTok as well. Thanks very much.